Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome an accomplished professional and an entrepreneur from Virginia, USA, Mr. John Hewitt. John, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, John is the Chief Executive Officer of Loyalty Brands. Earlier, he has founded two of the largest tax preparation companies in the United States, Jackson Hewitt and Liberty Tax. Uh, he's a renowned American entrepreneur who has made a significant impact in the business world through his innovative ideas and strategic thinking. And he has been recognized and felicitated several times. So John, before we talk loyalty brands, tell me about your own amazing journey from taxation to branding. Yes, I'll take you back to... Uh... When I started 54 years ago, mm -hmm. I was a student at the University of Buffalo, and I took an H&R Block tax course at the direction of my father, who wanted to start a tax business. And I loved it. It was the most interesting course I'd ever taken. Mm -hmm. And uh, that January, I started working for H&R Block. 12 years later, I was running 250 H&R Block locations. And my dad, who was a CFO of a public company at the time, bought one of the first apples by mail. So there weren't even 50,000 apples in the country. Mm. And he liked the apple better than the mainframe that was running his public company. So he decided that we should put the tax system on this desktop. So in 1981, I joined him and we both left our jobs and built the first tax software for an Apple computer. Wow. No one wanted it, it was way ahead of its time. Uh, tried to sell it to H&R Block and they said, people ask us why we don't computerize, we say, we tried it, customers don't care, we're never gonna computerize. Mm. So there was, there was not a vision back then of com what computers have done in the last, in the last 42 years. Mm -hmm. So got lucky and I found a company here in Virginia Beach called Mel Jackson mm -hmm. Tax Service. The biggest luck was that the offices were in Buffalo and uh, the weather's a lot nicer in Virginia Beach than Buffalo. So mm -hmm. I moved my family down to Virginia Beach in August of 1982. We merged the two companies, the tax company and the software company and changed the name to Jackson Hewitt, built it for 15 years and sold it for $483 million. Wow. So um, today, Jackson Hewitt is, uh, became a, a, a billion dollar company and it uh, now has 6,000 locations, the 23rd largest franchise chain in the country. Yeah. So that was my first venture. And after selling it in 97, I had a three-year non-compete. Mm -hmm. But the non-compete didn't cover Canada because Jackson Hewitt didn't have any offices in Canada. And because Buffalo is on the border of Canada and uh, I uh, grew up there, I knew the Canadian tax system. So we opened Liberty Tax in Canada. Mm -hmm. And within three years, did the same thing became one of the top 100 retail chains in the United States. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, in Canada. Now I've done it in Canada and the United States. Mm. And when my non-compete ended in 2000, mm. came back to the United States. And, and now I had to compete against my own name and my own software and my own system at mm. Jackson Hewitt. And yet 
not only did we grow faster than Jackson Hewitt, we grew faster than them and H&R Block combined. We opened four offices in 12 years, top 10 fastest growing franchise or ever. And uh, again, public company, again, we're at $500 million. Again, I sold my stock and then we founded Loyalty Brands. And Loyalty Brands is an umbrella of eight different franchisors. Fascinating, fascinating. And, uh, you know, you seem to be uh, have, have, the, have the ability to grow from zero to half a billion dollars in a few years. How did you manage to grow loyalty brand from zero to nine brands in such a short period of time? And what were some of your learnings and challenges? Yeah, the, uh, well, first of all, if you, if you build brands and uh, then get a chance to start it all over again, you know, I built a, a $500 million brand and then I got a chance to start it all over again. And then I got a chance to start it all. If you don't, if you're not a lot better the second time, mm. the third time, you have to be an idiot. So I, I took all the lessons learned in my two first two ventures and have used them in building uh, loyalty, loyalty brands. And mm. so there's just so many lessons over that I've learned over the years that have mm. that are essential in building infrastructure and income. The The toughest thing in, in growing a huge company is managing the income versus infrastructure. Mm -hmm. You can't have too much infrastructure or you go bankrupt and you can't have too much growth in revenue or without infrastructure or you, you fail for for lack of great service. Hmm. So managing those two things, the the growth of the income and the growth of and customers versus the growth of infrastructure is the key difficulty in, in building out a huge business. Hmm. Very interesting. And what sets loyalty brands apart from other franchisee businesses? We do. We do a couple of things different. There are hmm. there are in this in the, the this country, there are over 60 different conglomerates like we do, where they have a number of franchise brands. And what we bring to the table is two different things um, that they, they typically don't. Mm -hmm. Number one is we provide mentorship to our, to our franchisors. And the reason we call it loyalty brands is I have so much experience people that have come to work for me i mean one of my guys has been with me 53 years we have three that have been with me 35 five that have been with me 30 four that have been with me 25 and five that have been with me 20 mm -hmm. so we just have a a huge experienced staff that's available to mm -hmm. counsel young emerging brands and right. help them go, go through the path so mm -hmm. that's one of the advantages that we bring so much franchise experience. Mm -hmm. Secondly, we um, have brought in so many franchisees in my career. I brought in now 5,200 franchisees. Mm -hmm. And those 5,200 franchisees have hundreds of thousands, have had hundreds of thousands of employees. So wherever you go in this country uh, or Canada, in the United States or Canada, mm -hmm. there is a a, uh, with a population of more than 50,000 people, there's a uh, Jackson Hewitt and a Liberty office, H&R Block office. And there are people all over the these countries that um, know my style, mm 
and are interested in working for us. Mm. So they are acquiring and or they're acquiring our other brands or they're using them <clears throat> for services or they're recommending them. And so mm. and and or their their employees. Mm. So it, it enables us to do something. There's there's almost no one that's ever built out that many offices. I built out 10,000 offices to the the only person to the top 100 retail chains in the country. So I just have a lot of people everywhere that that are interested in joining us and being part of our growth. Amazing. And, you know, uh, as an outsider, when I look at the U.S., franchising has been an amazing way businesses have grown. But I wanted to ask you, given your expertise in franchising, what are some common misconceptions that seem to exist uh, amongst franchisees? Yeah, the, the, the biggest um, difficulty I've had in, in my career is, and every franchisor has, is it's our job to give the franchisee a, a the best system in the industry, mm -hmm. the turnkey best system in the industry. And if we do our job, mm -hmm. then their job is to use that use that recipe and develop the system exactly as we tell them. Mm -hmm. Well, you would think after doing this for fifty four years, mm -hmm. that being the most um, experienced person ever in income tax. Mm -hmm. I fondly call myself the great granddaddy of tax. You would think that a new person coming in would automatically listen to everything I say, uh, especially since most, most 95% of the people that come in mm -hmm. aren't even as aren't, weren't even born when I started. Mm -hmm. And so you would think that they would automatically listen, mm -hmm. but franchisees are humans and mm -hmm. humans are, uh, think they know better. I don't know if you have children, but every we've all been children, and yeah. we um, children don't listen, and mm. they don't listen a hundred percent. And I know that there were times that I should have listened to my parents and didn't. And it's the same with franchisees. Out of the franchisees I brought in, not one has ever listened a hundred percent. So I've I've helped develop a thousand millionaires. I've also seen a thousand people fail. And the mm. only difference, it doesn't matter how smart you were, how educated, how experienced, it only mattered. Here is the recipe. Here's the proven formula. Follow the plan. Mm. It only mattered what percentage of the plan you follow. Mm. If the, the successful people followed 98 or 99%, mm. the unsuccessful people uh, followed less than 90%. Mm. So that's the, the misconception is, that a lot of people who are self-employed or want to be self-employed think they get to be their own boss. Mm -hmm. Well, you can be your own boss, but but you have to follow the system. Mm -hmm. If on February 2nd, we say to be open at 7 a.m., you can't you can't be open at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. Mm -hmm. you, you have to follow the plan. It, it, you will not think of an idea that hasn't been thought of in Worse than that hasn't been tried. So the key is the key misconception is that you can be creative, and as opposed to just just following the proven methods. Mm. What a great response! Thank you. My next question, John, is how does loyalty brands cultivate and maintain customer loyalty, as as distinct we, from franchisee loyalty? 
Yeah, we do. Uh, we, we understand that we have to differentiate mm-hmm. that in, in our industry, even the largest uh, competitor, H&R Block, only has a 13% market share. Mm-hmm. But everyone in everyone in the United States, 80 or 90% can know the name. It's a household name. Mm-hmm. So when we go into a market, we're competing against the household name. Mm-hmm. And so we have to do things different. If if David had gone onto the field against Goliath and he wore the same shield, same armor, same sword, there would not be a David and Goliath story. Right. He would have been the 187th guy killed by Goliath. Mm. So he had to do something different. And so one of our differentiators that's very important is after the customer's been in, two days later, we call them and ask them how we did for them. And that results in, in three major um, advantages. Number one is customers love to be called and asked. Mm. And so it improves our retention rate. More customers return the next year mm. after we call them. Uh, what we've learned is, uh, secondly, is our tax preparers aren't good at asking for referrals. Mm-hmm. And so this, when we make the call, 95% of the people are say, yeah, they did a great job. Mm. And so this very personal person making the call asks for a referral so it 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 includes it improves our referral rate uh impressively Mm -hmm. and then uh thirdly not every employee is a great employee Mm -hmm. you're going to have people that either need retraining or they need to go find somewhere else to be extraordinary because they're Mm -hmm. not extraordinary here so we get to improve during the season instead of waiting to the end of the season mm. to get the results. And so uh, what the, the, uh, the way we ensure that our customers are uh, happy is we call them. Very interesting. Thank you. Great response. My next question is on technology, John. I mean, you know, when you started uh, five decades ago, I'm sure there was a lot of paperwork involved. And yet you were just telling me that you and your father were amongst the early movers to try and put everything, tax returns on the computer. My question is, in today's day and age, how important is technology in your operation and the growth of franchisees? Technology has, um, like in many industries, become mm-hmm. become kind of generic, mm-hmm. right? There are, there are today, when I, when I remember when I started in 1981, there was no technology for a desktop. We created that. Today, there are a dozen different ways, uh, brands, or I'm sorry, uh, software pr- programs. So it's important to have a brand that is this quality. But in in our in our field in tax preparation, for example, the entire the entire evaluation of the experience comes down to the half hour or hour that that each of our customers spends with the tax advisor hmm. so it's it that's the the key there's a lot and, and an important part of the tax advisor being competent is the the software and the software acts as a it can generate uh, questions and guide hmm. the preparer through uh, to to doing a thorough interview and a mm. thorough assessment of the customer, mm. so it's it's not, today it's less important than it was forty years ago because 
the software has become very generic across the board. It's mm -hmm. sort of like going into a bank or buying a ticket from an airline. They're pretty much they're pretty much um, uh, similar software to uh, across the tax preparation space. The key is uh, that interview with the customer and the, the tax advisor. Hmm, very interesting. <clears throat> My next question is that uh, what advice would you give to someone looking to buy a franchise? Yeah, th that's very, very important because most people don't understand that in in the United States, there are the International Franchise Association, which is the premier organization of franchisors, has 4,000 franchisors. And to be in the top 50% of all franchisors, mm -hmm. you only have to have 20 locations. Okay. So half, half of the franchisors in this country have less than 20 locations. Wow. So there are a lot of franchisors that fail. And so you have to be careful and select a franchise, a, a quality franchisor. Mm -hmm. The key, the key element in um, my experience of what differentiates a great franchisor from a poor franchisor mm -hmm. is the desire to have happy, successful franchisees. Mm -hmm. It's very simple. It comes down to three words happy, successful franchisee. So you need to have find a franchise system mm -hmm. that that is fanatically, obsessively focused mm -hmm. on creating happy, successful franchisees. Most franchisors have uh, the opposite. They Their goal is to have a happy, successful franchisor. Mm -hmm. So with if a, our franchisees are happy and successful, we can't stop growing. We're going to grow exponentially. Hmm. If they're not, we can't grow. And so the key is to look for a franchisor that understands the importance of the success of the franchisee. Hmm. It's more important than the success of the franchisor. Without that, you have no success. Well said. <clears throat> well said. I've got time for two more questions for you. My next question is, uh, given all the work that you've done in the, in the world of franchising, can you share a particularly inspiring success story of one of your franchisees? You know, I have... I've, I've I'm sure you have many. Thousand, yeah, I have a thousand millionaires. So uh, I've... And many of them have started with uh, a net worth of under $100,000 and followed the program and been incredibly successful. Um, I There's just so many, it'd be hard to pick one. I'll, I'll tell you a, a fun story. Mm -hmm. I have a book called I, I Compete mm -hmm. and um, that that's available. And if, if people reach out to us, we'll send them one for free. Mm -hmm. And it's also available on Amazon. But mm -hmm. one of my one of my former uh, franchise at Liberty Tax, one of my favorite in North Carolina, most Christian couple I know, they uh, the the father called me up one day and said, "I have to tell you a story." My this happened about ten years ago. So so not yeah about ten years ago. So he said I was struggling with my son. I, he was he was suicidal. He's sixteen years old. 
-hmm. and we were going to family counseling and i i was i, I was get, beginning to throw up my hands what do i do what can i do i can't help him and so uh somehow i said i will pay you 50 dollars if you read the book mm -hmm. now my book is is entirely a business book mm -hmm. so so this is out of the thousands of people or tens of thousands of people that read my book this is the only story like this mm. but he said he said my son josh he came to me and said read the book and said dad this this uh, I'm, I'm completely healed i don't need to go to see the therapist anymore mm -hmm. just after reading my book amazing and so uh, it was amazing and i said so he said so he didn't believe him obviously so they went to the counselor and they talked for a few minutes. And then the counselor asked, the therapist asked the father to leave the room and uh, came out about a half hour later and said that he, uh, that he is cured. He is cured. And so uh, it totally changed the, the young man's life. Mm -hmm. that, um, he, just, he just, that <clears throat> 10 years later, he's a, uh, he never had a problem again. How wonderful. And so that was just, but there's so many stories I could yeah, go on. I'm sure. About, I'm sure. I'm about, sure. About changing but stories. Such, but I thought that amazing. was wonderful. Yeah, this is such an amazing story. Thank you for sharing this. And my last question to you as you look back at such a successful life in the world of franchising, what would you say are some of the important lessons you have learned? I The most, one of the most important lessons is that. I learned the long ago that the more the more you give, the more you receive. Mm -hmm. And so when when I was when I was as I was beginning to get successful, mm -hmm. I began giving a lot more. Mm -hmm. And uh, so as I gave more, I received more. Now I never I never received more from the person I gave it to. Mm -hmm. I received more something good yes. happens. Yeah. Right. So I I help one person and some some great event happens in my life so what i what part one of our principles one of our 10 principles is to give back mm. and so so again uh the more you give the more you receive you can you cannot outgive god mm. very interesting and on that note john and your amazing lessons i love the comment you make about what makes a franchisee successful and the three words you told me was happy successful franchisee and your big lesson that you have learned through life is the more you give, the more you receive. Thank you so much for talking to me about your own amazing journey. Thank you for talking to me about loyalty brands and all the amazing work you are doing in the world of franchising. Thank you for speaking to me and good luck. Thank you. Have a great day. My Thank pleasure. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.